good to see you here. I'm glad you're here today. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The title of my message this morning is When We Say Father. And uh, it's dealing with the very first line, the very first verse of the Lord's Prayer. Folks, uh, the time will come when for God to answer your prayer will be the most important thing in the world for you. We can learn to do a lot of things, but I believe nothing that we learn is more important than learning how to pray. Amen? You see, nothing can uh, stand against a man or a woman who prays. And uh, I can tell you, prayer can do anything that uh, God can do. And he's made that available to us. And, of course, God can do all things. I've heard it said that nothing lies outside of the reach of prayer, but that which lies outside the will of God. And uh, we don't want anything that's outside of his will. Amen? Uh, the disciples asked the Lord to teach them, teach them to pray, and this is how he responded. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, Starting in verse 9, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The disciples asked the Lord to teach them how to pray, and this is a model prayer. Now, so many times people uh, pray this prayer over and over again, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but what God was doing, what Jesus was doing, was trying to teach his uh, disciples how to pray. And there are a great deal, there's a, I could build a whole sermon just on this, or really a whole series of sermons, just on what Jesus taught. But let me break down for you this morning that the Lord's Prayer is in three parts. It has an invocation, it has uh, then a list of six petitions, and then it has a conclusion. Uh, in the invocation, the Lord, uh, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, and then the six petitions, and those six petitions are broken up into two parts. The first three of them deal or reference God, and the second three deal or reference our needs, the ones that... Uh, Reference God, hallowed be thy name. He says, thy kingdom come, 
and he says, Thy will be done. Those are three petitions that reference God, and the three petitions that reference man is give us this day our daily bread, and then number two, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors, and then number three, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, his protection. Now, our message this morning is dealing with just the first line, first verse 9, and uh, the title of it is when we say, Father. Now, here's the question. What are we doing when we address God as Father? Now, I'm sure I don't have the final word here, but I do want to give you at least three things that happens when you call God Father, when you address him as Father. Now, the first thing that is happening is that we are expressing his nature. We are expressing the nature of God. He is our Father. Now, throughout history, God has been called many things. I believe it was Aristotle who called God the unmoved mover. Others called him the eternal unknown or the absolute unknown. Some have called him the holy other. All kinds of descriptions have been made and all kinds of names have been offered up or uh, ideas of who God is. But listen to me, this is what's important. 167 times in the Gospels, Jesus called him Father. And that's who God is. That's what his nature is. When we say Father, and you need to understand this, we are expressing his nature, his nature is that of a father. Now let me make a kind of a, a parenthetic statement here because I want you to understand this. We don't call God Father because we know about our own relationship with our own father. Some psychologists and some liberal theologians in the world today suggest that our concept of God is a reflection of our understanding and our relationship of our own father with our own dads. And, uh, but his fatherhood is not a reflection of our understanding or our relationship with our own father. God is not like a father. God is Father, this is not an analogy. God is the Father of all who believe. The closer I am to Him, the more I grow to be like God the Father, the better Father I am. See, we don't get our understanding of God from our fathers, but we get our understanding of fathers from our relationship with God. You understand what I'm saying here? And... Uh, uh, the closer I get and the more I become like him, the better father I am. And some people say, well, pastor, you know, most people know that kind of stuff. But it's not true. At least I don't think so. 
I think there are a lot of people in our world today that absolutely have no idea of God's relationship with us as the one, as a father. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a movement within the modern theology uh, today to remove the idea of God as father. As a matter of fact, they don't even want us to speak of him in the male gender. Uh, You can go to churches all across America today where some have referred to God as she. And when they do the Lord's Prayer, they say, uh, instead of saying, Our Father who art in heaven, they say, Our parent who is in heaven. I, I think there's a good Greek word for that. Baloney. Amen? That's not what the Bible... Jesus is the one that teaches us about God. And he called God Father. As a matter of fact, 167 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Father. And uh, if Jesus taught us that, then I believe that's what we should, uh, uh, how we should relate to him. As a matter of fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, followed suit in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. He says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things. And by the way, let me say this morning, I meant to mention it earlier and I didn't do it, but our TV screens are out today. I don't know if the freeze this past week has affected it or not, but they couldn't get the TV screens to work. That's why you didn't see them during the song service and uh, we don't have the scriptures and stuff, the outline and everything up on the screens because we just couldn't get them to work this morning. Seems like everything is going wrong today. But 1 Corinthians also, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. The Apostle Paul believed the Lord Jesus Christ when he described and he related to uh, God the Father as being a father. So when we express him, when we address him, As Father, we are expressing his nature, and his nature is that of a father. Not only do we express his nature, but we also, when we call him Father, expect his nurture. That's point number two on the outline. We expect his nurture, and what do I mean by that? You see, when we call God Father, his nature is, and his nurture go together. If we call God our Father, we are inferring that that we are his children. And if we are his children, we can expect certain things from him. Amen? First of all, we can expect his care. Let me say this. Yeah, here's another one of these uh, parenthetic statements. Just because God's nature is Father, and those that believe in Him are His children. Not everybody in this world are the children of God. God is not Father to everybody. You may have heard something like the universal fatherhood of God or the universal brotherhood of man, 
That's nowhere in the Bible. You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. God is the creator of all people, but God is not the father of all people. Well, then who is he the father of? He's the father of those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's another verse of Scripture I wish we could get on the screen. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, at verse 12. And John 1, 12 says, uh, what does John 1, 12 say? I can't remember. All right, yeah, I do. For as many as received him, to them gave he the right to be called the children of God. For as many as received him, received who? Received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To them gave he the right, gave God, gave the right to be called the children of God. Not everybody is a child of God. The children of God come from having a relationship with him by faith through his son, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in the same gospel, in the gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 44, it says he talks to the religious unbelievers, the unsaved religious leaders of his day. He said to them, you are of your father, the devil, and the works of your father are the desires that you want to do. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So we don't become a child of God until we enter into that relationship. We are adopted through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's when we uh, uh, become a child of God. And once we are a child of God, we can expect his care because every good father cares for his children. Amen? Every good father cares for his children. I've met a couple that uh, were not good fathers, and maybe perhaps you have as well. But we can expect his care, and we can expect his correction. You've got to go back here and look at verses 14 and 15. We're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. See, God is not some doting grandpa up there that just gives, that spoils his children and grandchildren and just gives them everything they want. Uh, you, can't, you can't expect that. That's Once you become a child of God, you've got to understand that God is going to uh, hold you accountable and there are certain responsibilities that go along with that. Now, a, a good companion uh, passage for this is found in the book of Hebrews. I want to turn over there. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to start reading in verse, 15, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. And it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, 
Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? You know, some people have joined churches and they just go on living exactly the same way they did. They say that they have a relationship with God and they keep right on living the same way they always lived and there's absolutely no change in their life. Let me remind you that the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, all things become new. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there ought to be a change in the way we live our lives. Now, sometimes people just, they say that, but they go right on living their life just the way they do. But listen to this. Look at verse 8 there. We're in, uh, still in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And you say, well, pastor, that's pretty harsh speaking. Yeah, it is. Let me tell you what it means. Let me tell you what it means. If you think that you have a relationship with God, if you think that you are a child of God and you live in sin and just stay in that sin, and you don't care about it, you just keep on sinning and sinning and sinning, and you say, look at me. I live a good life. God's not chastening me. You know what that tells me? That tells me you're not a child of God. You may think you are, but you're not. Because listen to me. God chastens those who are his children. God, listen to me. Listen to me. Some people talk about, and, and, and maybe it's true. It's not my experience, but I can't speak for everybody in the world. Folks, when I sin, I know I've sinned. You know, these people say, well, I, you know, I, sin I didn't even know I was sinning. Uh, uh, that causes me to wonder a little bit, amen? I... When I sin, and I do, just like you do, when I sin, I know I sin. The Holy Spirit begins to work on me, and let me tell you something. If I don't repent, he's going to do something to make me repent. He's not going to let it go. He's not going to let it go. But those that are not genuine believers, they can keep on. You know the difference between cash and credit? Do you? Do you know the difference between cash and credit? Listen to this. I'm going to tell you that God deals with his children on a cash basis. And he deals with his, those that are not his children on a credit basis. Now let me tell you the difference. <laughs> when his children sin, he pays with cash. He 
deals with it right then and there. When those that are not his children, he puts it on their account. And at the end of time, when they stand before the judgment, that account's going to come due, and they're going to pay for those sins then. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, listen, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Parents, you're sitting there, you're looking out your picture window, your kids are playing out there with the neighborhood kids, and they're all playing there, and all of a sudden, this knockdown, drag-out fight begins between one of your kids and one of the neighbor's kids. What do you do? What do you do when you're sitting out there looking out in your front yard and all of a sudden there is some kind of fighting going on in your front yard between one of your kids and one of your neighbor kids? Let me tell you what I'd do. I'd go out there and I'd grab my son by the neck and I'd pull him back and I'd say, you can get in the house, I'll deal with you in a minute. And then I'd turn to my neighbor's kid, I'd say, you go home. I'd send him home. I'll punish my kids, but I'm not going to punish my neighbor's kids. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, God's the same way. God's the same way. He'll deal with his children. But those that are not his children, he says, you go on home. You go. And I'll deal with you later in the judgment. You understand what I'm saying? See, I can remember the first time I learned the difference between... Uh, Cash and credit. I was about eight or nine years old. My dad had a little truck farm. He grew collard greens and turnip greens, bell peppers, okra, that kind of stuff. And I was supposed to be out there hoeing weeds between the, you know between the rows. And uh, my dad had gone somewhere, I don't know. But he drove up, and I was out there playing, running up and down, the, seeing how far if I could jump over the, over the pepper bushes, you know, that kind of stuff. I learned three things that day. I learned the difference between cash and credit because I got dealt with immediately. I paid up front. I knew... I learned that my father chastens those that he loves. And I knew he loved me a lot. <laughs> I, got in, I got in big time trouble that day. And uh, that's, the way, that's the way God is, you see. God, just because you're getting away with stuff, don't think, don't think oh, everything's hucky-dory. He just really loves me a whole lot because he's letting me go and he's not punishing me at all. I hear people from time to time tell me that. Says, Pastor, I do this and I do that, and God never punishes me. I tell them, I say, you better watch out. You better find out. You better go back and make sure that you have a relationship with God because uh, the Bible says if he doesn't chasten you, you don't, you're, you're not his. But listen, he does it in different ways. He does it in different ways. It doesn't mean that he's going to pull you out and pull his belt off and start whipping you right there in front of everybody. Had that happen to me one time, too. I was in school, and uh, my eighth grade teacher pulled me up in front of the class, pulled his belt off, 
uh, it was the principal pulled his belt off and whipped me right in front of the whole class. That wasn't a good thing. But that's not what he does all the time, but he deals with you. He lets you know right away that uh, that uh, he's not happy and he's going to bring changes in your life. Um, if, we're, if we call him father, we can expect his care, we can expect his correction, and we can expect his companionship. There's something special about a relationship with God, a relationship between a father and his child. You know, folks, listen to me. I'm called by many things. Some things I will repeat and some things I won't. Some things I'm pleased with and some things that I'm not. But I've been called many things. I've been called Brother Russell or Russell. I've been called Mr. Clemens. Uh, I've been called Pastor or Pastor Clemens. I've been called uh, Honey by my wife or Daddy by my kids. Uh, Paul, Paul by my grandkids. I think that's the one that I enjoy the most. I've been called a lot of things. But there's nothing that compares when this young lady right here calls me Papa. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. She knows. She knows. Even when I'm upset with her, she knows when I'm upset with her. And she'll say, Papa. That does something inside of me. You know, it, it really does. There's a special relationship between a father and his children. And we have that with you. Listen, listen. You were talking about this morning about being the ark. You know, the Bible calls Jesus our ark. He compares Jesus with the ark. And, uh, and uh, boy, he is there all the time. You're never, you're, you've never at a place that God's not right there with you. That's why I always tell, I always tell Caitlin when I take her to school, and I, as a matter of fact, I told her that here today. I always tell her, remember who you are and whose you are. You're a Clemens, you're a Christian, and you belong to God. You're a child of God. Remember who you are and remember who you are. They're going off somewhere today. I don't know where they're going. And, uh, and, uh, but I said, well, that's what I told them. Remember, because there's something special about a relationship that we have with the Lord God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We express His nature. We expect His nurture. And we exalt his name. And I think my time's up. And let me just go over this quickly. Hallowed be thy name is the first of the petitions. And in order to say, hallowed be thy name, you need to know what his name is. And folks, listen, I'm just going to say this. Uh, his name is Father. And... Uh, we address him through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Jesus' 
high priestly prayer in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John that Jesus came to manifest the name of the Father. And so when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name, right? When we pray, when we go to him, we go to him in Jesus' name. And we do that because that's where our authority comes. Our authority comes from our relationship with him. We can call him Abba Father. We can enter into uh, that discussion with him at any time. We can always knock on his door and he's ready to, uh, to have a conversation with us. Say, we can always go to the Lord in prayer. I think it's so funny that some of these schools around that say, no, you can't pray in school. That's, that's, that's another one of those baloney words. You know, you can pray wherever you are. You can, I mean, you can always pray. Nobody can tell you you can't pray. I don't care where you are. You can go to the Lord, and he already is waiting to hear what you have to say. When I was uh, pastoring, well, in Dallas, I was pastoring a church, and, uh, well, all of my pastorates till I started pastor, officing at home. I always had an office, and I had a secretary right outside of my office, and then across the hall, well, we had two more secretaries and other staff people there. And when you called the church and you wanted to talk to me, first the receptionist would pick up the phone and she'd transfer you to my secretary. Now, there were certain times on Tuesdays and Fridays that I spent studying. And I told my secretary... If it's during those times on Tuesday and Fridays, if it's during those times, you get the name and number and I'll call them back because I didn't want to be disturbed while I was studying. You understand what I'm saying? But my phone not only had that line, but it had another line. And any of you been in any kind of executive positions, you probably have the exact same thing. But there was a, a dedicated line that was just to me. Didn't go through any secretaries. It was just to me. And the only people that had that phone number was my wife and my two kids. See, somebody else call? Somebody else call? They had to go through the receptionist, my, my secretary, before they could ever get to me. But if it was my kids or my wife, they dialed that private number and it went straight through. And they didn't care what I, I didn't care what I was doing. I could have been counseling, I could have been anything. If that line rang, I'd always pick it up. Because it was my children or it was my wife. And they always came first. You see? I'm telling you, each and every one of you have a hotline to God. And he never, he never says, take a message and I'll get back to you. 
you can always go to the Lord in prayer. You know why? Because we call him Father. We call him Father. He's our Father. A lot of things going on in our world today. A lot of sickness, a lot of difficulties, a lot of problems. A lot of dangerous things going across the sea. There's a lot of stuff happening right now. But let me tell you something. Don't ever forget it. You can always go to the Father. And he'll hear your prayer. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. We just ask you, God, to uh, bless us today. I pray, Father, that you take these words that I've spoken this morning and you apply it to the lives and the hearts of each and every person here. Oh, God, help us to know you and have that relationship with you. Help us to know we can call you Father. And Lord, we look forward to seeing all of the things that you want to do in and through us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.